This conversation with Debbie Marini started in a diner here in Red Bank. And I wasn't really quite sure what the whole theme and um, topic of the podcast was going to be about. She had just written a book and I thought, okay, we can talk about the book and it'll, it'll kind of blossom from there. And the conversation went from the book that she wrote to the why. And it was the why that opened up a whole conversation about God and me being purely spiritual and not really someone who talks about religion. Man, this, this conversation was, it was just beautiful. And, you know, the struggle that some people have with their beliefs and talking about their beliefs because people will automatically um, label them as a zealot and not take the time to listen, which is part of my whole mission with this podcast, you know, sitting down and having conversations with people and listening. So for this episode, uh, Debbie Marini is not only unsilenced, she is unashamed to sit and talk about all the reasons and all the ways God has changed her life. And uh, whatever religion you are, whatever you believe in, I think it's a great conversation. So sit back and listen to how Debbie Marini and I brought God in, into uh, Unsilenced, Unashamed, and Unstoppable. I've always had this intuitiveness. I mm-hmm. could walk through the mall and see somebody just looking sad, and I could go up to them and say, are you okay? Yeah. What's going on? I have a feeling that something's happening. I can I can very easily read people, yeah. and then I have this ability to sort of put myself into their head and realize what they need to hear mm-hmm. and and what how I can help them. So that's amazing. Yeah. So this was really really important to me, and we talked about you know the gifts and the many gifts that we have. Well, that's what I do want to talk about. Yeah. Because on top of getting your master's degree, <laughs> you are now an author. Yes. So the name of your book is Where Was God at the Beach? And it is the the first in a series of five that came about my whole life. I have run away from talking about God Mm -hmm. because of the judgment that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, and because our family had experienced multiple tragedies, we've lost everything we own twice in two separate house fires, one in 2001 and one in 2010. And I just stepped away or stepped out or so I thought. And at one point as I was getting ready to, I was asked to speak about gratitude Mm -hmm. um, at a service that was held in Ocean Grove for all of the people. There were six other homes that were lost in this fire. Mm -hmm. And as I was- I didn't know that. Yeah. The historic inn that was next door to our house caught fire in the middle of the night and it took our home and six other homes with it. Oh my gosh. So as I was getting ready to put my foot on that first step and go up to the stage, I was feeling anything but grateful. And I turned to the minister next to me who was such a dear friend. When I was in real estate, I actually sold them their house. Mm -hmm. And and I turned to Beth and said, "Um, I am about to talk to about gratitude. And I don't I don't even feel I don't even know if I believe in God. And I said, I'm yelling at him every night. And she smiled and gently took my hand and said, well, I hate to tell you this, but he's still in your life. You're still yelling at him. So when you're when your parents, when you're upset with your parents and you're yelling at your mom and your dad, does that mean that they disappear? No. It's just 
you're involving him in your life, you're still having dialogue. Yeah, communicating. And that, yes, that just changed the whole trajectory of my expectations about what my relationship with God is supposed to be like. You know, you always associated with it. Um, we were talking earlier that listening to, um, you know, a, a Christian radio station on the way in, which I never do. Like I, mm-hmm. I kind of, unfortunately, I treat God like a faucet. Like when I have a <laughs> challenging thing that's about to happen, I'm like, oh, my God, let me do everything. Let me pray this morning. Let me listen to Christian radio. Let me tap into God so that he'll be like, oh, okay, let me put everything right. down, Deb, and come help I'm throwing you. everything at the right. wall, Every and I hope it all sticks today. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's all going to happen. So um, I was listening, though, and, and one of the artists said, when I found God and I found myself going back to this place of like, oh, yeah, you're, you found God, but you're only going to be perfect for a certain amount of time, and then your ego is going to kick in. Mm-hmm. And that was part of my fear of talking about God is all of a sudden it puts you under this microscope yeah. of perfection. Mm-hmm. And then you know what? I'm finally ready to embrace that I am okay with being imperfect. I'm okay with making mistakes because all that means to me is now that I have taken God from being way up there and brought him down in this book mm-hmm. and showed that he's everywhere. Yes. That's, I've never felt when your passion and your purpose align, it's unstoppable. Yeah. And that's what I believe you're also on the cutting edge of. Your passion and your purpose are absolutely aligning because you have such a kind heart. And so this book came about as a result, my daughter was expecting, and they came to Florida for their gender reveal. And we started talking about how to raise her and what religion. She was asking me about, you know, well, we're, her husband is one religion and then she's another. She, we were raised Catholic and her husband's raised Methodist. So they were kind of discussing how they would like to raise their daughter. They just found out it, she was a girl. And, um, I st- we started looking for, I said, you know what, really what matters is through my life, through all the disappointments mm-hmm. in the Catholic religion at certain points in my life, through all the disappointments due to trauma and tragedy that has happened in our lives, through all of those, it has allowed me to discern between religious and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And if you are spiritual and believe in something bigger, something higher, and something bigger than you, that has put you here for a divine purpose, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter. If it's rooted in kindness, it really doesn't matter what you call it. Oh, I think we were saying before that if you see a dolphin in the water, you can call it a fish, you can call it a dolphin. Right. It's still the same object. Yes. And God is the same. Mm -hmm. If you, I know God, I was raised with God, and that's why God is what's in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you call it a divine presence or you want to call it a, um, you know, something higher than me. Right. You know. Your higher power. I don't think anybody's going to pick that apart if it's rooted in kindness and it drives you to live a life that's rooted in kindness. Right. So this book came up, came about as a result of um, us looking for ways to introduce spirituality at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Because with my mental health background as a behavioral therapist in my past and um, being certified as a mental health first aid instructor and uh, neurolinguistic programming practitioner, all of that, I realized 
that the one common denominator after our second fire when I was diagnosed with depression, prior to my, as a behavioral therapist, I didn't even realize the symptoms of it. Right. Once that sort of definition was placed, it it connected the fact that I am no longer alone in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer un, um, undefinable, you know? Yes. And um, so it allowed me to then um, embrace what I was going through. And But in those moments where I felt really alone, you feel so misunderstood. And it's so important to introduce to youth at such a young age, which is why this children's book came to be, mm -hmm. that you're never alone. You're really not. I know it's so easy to say, but you're really not. Right. And when I was asked to go speak at um, our my children's school, St. Rose, um, about the book and do a reading for the book, one of the messages that I say is, if you're in the playground and you fall and you scrape your knee, and you're surrounded by all your friends, what are some of the things that your friends would say to you? And the class was so sweet. And they were answering, you know, can I help you up? Are you okay? Um, do you need a bandage? You know, um, all of that combined. Right. And I said, so what happens when you're walking home from school and you're alone and you fall and you scrape your knee? What are some of the thoughts that go through your mind then? And the answers would shock you. Oh, I feel so stupid that I fell. Oh, I hope nobody, I hope saw. nobody saw me. That's the first thing I yes. thought. Oh, I hope nobody just saw. I don't yeah. And you try to pop back up. I feel like an idiot. Even as a kid, you feel yeah. that way. So what if I told you that right beside you was God mm -hmm. saying every single thing that your friends would say, mm -hmm. are you okay? Let me help you up. Let me give you a hug. Let me bandage you. Right. Right. So- I asked the children then, when you are feeling happy, sad, angry, afraid, those are all emotions that are very valid and very okay. When you're feeling that way, who do you talk to? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, you know, it ranged from mom, dad to fish, my dog. Um, and one young lady said, uh, one young girl said, God. Mm. So I said, okay, when you talk to God, where do you picture him? Where do you look? And she said, up in heaven. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Quinn, the sub who is my granddaughter now, by the way, she is uh, now nine months old. And um, that's the heroine. She in our book. is the heroine <laughs> in our book. And when Quinn started asking her mother, where's God? Right. The mother brought God down from heaven. And showed Quinn that he's everywhere. He's in the sand. He's in the shells. He's the shade under your umbrella. He's building the sandcastle with you for your king and queen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's in the water. He's in the air. He's in the wind. And it, I feel that that's so. I told all of the all of the children at St. Rose that if there's one thing that I want you to take today. It's it's to be to be aware that when you pray to God, He's not all the way up in heaven, mm -hmm. far far away, and He's He's right next to you. So as you grow, it's so important because when you get to those teen years and you get to those times where your brain is still forming, mm -hmm. you don't fully grasp what's happening, and people's opinions and social media can turn you on a dime. If you can just know that he, he, she 
it, divine presence, whatever you want to call God, however you see God, if they're right there with you all the time, reachable and touchable, then maybe you'll stick around. Right. And yeah. one of my son's friends, the um, Sean Cully, took his own life at 18. Yeah. And in those moments, there's a huge foundation called the Cully Strong Foundation. Mm -hmm. And they are amazingly supportive of youth and mental health. And um, in those moments, I felt them after the fire. You feel like no one can understand how your mind is working. Yeah, we talked about this too. Yeah, yeah. you can't, when you're in that moment of, I, I, I describe it as a, um, the, my internal button shut off. Yes. I could hear things, I could see things, but I sat there and felt nothing. Mm -hmm. I felt nothing. I, it just was, I'm, I'm just tired mm -hmm. and I just don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want my family to see this. I don't want my family to worry about me. Um, you know, if I'm just not here, it would just make it so much easier for everybody else mm -hmm. because I, I don't want to drag my family down this road with me. It's a very long, it's the loneliest moment. Right. And the only thing that gives you peace is the thought that you will not be a burden to your family. Mm -hmm. And so piggybacking on that, there's because throughout my study and getting my master's in human behavioral, there is that is a, there's a name for that. So anybody that's listening that feels that way mm. um know that there's a definition for that and it's called trauma and detachment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to oversimplify this and there's so many medical people out there that are going to be like, no, you got this so wrong. But the basic concept, mm -hmm. just allow me to sort of dumb it down, mm -hmm. that when, for example, our second fire, um, the, the front part of your brain is what processes like reactionary and, you know, if you're about to cross the street and a bus is coming, it's like, whoa, right away, jump off you know, jump mm -hmm. back onto the curb or, um, you know, if there are things that happen that you react to right away, that's processed in the front part of the brain. And when you observe a trauma, very often when people um, are in auto accidents, they don't remember anything after a certain point. Mm -hmm. And when I saw, I stood there looking at my house in flames and I don't remember it. And that's because sort of the rear part of your brain comes up and wraps it in bubble wrap to protect your your brain can't process all of that trauma at once mm. or you'll have a nervous breakdown. Sure. So it cushions it and, and wraps it in bubble wrap. And that's the way that I like to think about it. But what happens is that bubble wrap also detaches you from emotion okay. and feeling. So you lose the connection to everything else around you as well. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to just follow processes like writing things down yes. and keep asking the why. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you hear about a fire on the news and you feel this in your tension in your body, you say, okay, I just heard about this on the news and I feel blank, mm -hmm. fill in the blank say angry. Okay. I just heard about this fire on the news and I feel angry. Why? I just saw this fire on the news and I feel angry because it is bringing it all back for me. Right. And you just keep asking the why and it's peeling back that onion for you until mm -hmm. you get to that 
real core of what's happening mm-hmm. inside of you and why you feel. Every emotion is valid. Being, yeah. Even being angry is not like one of my goals is to host a, an assembly or a seminar where you say, write down your positive emotions and write down your negative emotions. And by the end of the day, I would love to take every single negative emotion and move it over to the positive column because jealousy can trigger you to make changes within yourself Mm -hmm. to do some more self-acceptance and eliminate the jealousy. Anger, it's how we react to the anger that's not healthy. Right. You know? Right. So the anger, though, in and of itself is a healthy emotion. Mm -hmm. If I choose to examine why am I so angry looking at this fire on the TV, it helps me to dive, do a deep dive about I'm still angry about my own fire. Right. And then you can then you can start peeling back and working through those emotions. Exactly. So tell me more about the book. So little Quinn. Little Quinn. She's a doll. I love um, I love going off the the side conversation. I know, I know. Because you like it opens up the whole conversation and it's like, okay, but wait a minute, I still want to talk about the book and I still want to talk about God and I have to do it in a certain amount of time and that's why I love having I know, these conversations. Well, I'm, so, no, I'm the, so bad at talking no, about me though. No, I mean about the what conversations, I do. this is the whole you asked me. <laughs> Maureen, why did you want to do podcasts? Because the whole concept is to have a conversation. Because when you have those conversations, it opens up so many, you know, and you have many layers to yourself. Yeah. You really do. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, you said before, we're going to be best friends forever. And I'm like, (laughs) oh yeah, I am for this because you, you love that whole concept. There's so much to talk about and there's so many, the layers you can start with one thing. And then as you unpeel the layers, it becomes all these other things. And you just know an awful lot about a lot of things and you know, we go back to that whole CDL thing. <laughs> I know. So, so, so this started as um, when Sarah and I started looking into my daughter that was expect that's expecting Quinn at the time. Um, when we started looking into books about spirituality, they were very good. There's some very good books out there, mm-hmm. um, children's books based on spirituality, but they were all sort of. Um, a lot of them were heavy and, you know, quotes from the Bible, which is amazing. And I do not proclaim to know the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. I just know my relationship with God. Um, but I felt that it was important to have a book that makes God relatable. I'm so I'm so happy yeah. because a lot of people are brought up um, a little fearful. Yeah. Of God. You know, yeah. there there's still um, factions and, and even we're both Catholic, mm-hmm. even in the Catholic religion, you know, there's still, you know, a little bit depending on who the person at the pulpit is um, that give you a sense of hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. And when you're a child, that's terrifying. And for me and my spirituality and what I believe that's not the person that I believe in. I don't believe in hellfire and brimstone. I just don't. I feel like there's forgiveness and there's understanding and every day brings a new opportunity to be a better person. That's so that's my spirituality. That's exactly, my God. Exactly right. And that's what we spoke about earlier is I can respect because that's what they were taught right. as well. That's what they learned as well. So I'll respect to that. Um, but I was taught to know God mm-hmm. in my Catholic education, but I don't feel that I was taught to understand 
God. Mm-hmm. And and so knowing God is is being told who he is and accepting that. Understanding God is digging deeper to get to know God. Right. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, not a person, but I mean, he is relatable like us. Jesus was is relatable like right. us. So understanding um exactly who God is and where he is in my life, I think is so important. Right. And the fire and brimstone ideology is um, was maybe necessary at a certain point in time, but I think if we're going to encourage free thinkers and we're going to encourage being spiritual, like I told, I shared with right. you, one of my daughters um, came to me at some point and, and was very upset because she was questioning you know, who God was and Jesus and religion and organized religion and everything. And I think she thought that I would be upset with that. Mm -hmm. And it actually, I consider it as a mother to be the high point in my parenting because Mm -hmm. I just embraced her and said, you are supposed to question yes, so that you can then stay and you can choose how your relationship with God mm-hmm. is. And yes. I don't mean that as choosing it as a buffet, like using religion as a buffet. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I mean, just don't have a relationship or don't have a knowledge of God mm-hmm. without a relationship right. with God. Right. And by questioning, we chatted earlier, you had certain you know, limiting beliefs in your life. I did. And somebody sat with you and questioned those. Yes. And by questioning, it peeled back your layers and got to where the deep root of where you're coming from is. Well, because I think a lot of people react in fear, from fear. And I do think, I know as a child... Um, the people who I went to public school, but I had to back then they called it catechism. Uh, I had to go to I had to go to you know Sunday school, and I unfortunately at that time there was a nun, Sister Demetrius, and she would literally tell us that we she said this that she we made her want to vomit out of her mouth, and if we made her that sick, imagine how sick we made God. And Jesus. And I can just remember there being this impressionable kid, you know, with this image of God up in heaven, looking at us and shaking his head and then throwing up. And so that he threw up clouds, by the way, but it didn't matter because he threw up. Right. And, you know, if you don't establish your own sense of relationship, it's the same thing in life with people and you only react in fear then you you don't you can't there's there's no way that you can possibly grow right so and to expand on that going back to sister dimitri mm-hmm. those are the times where you operate from a place of forgiveness because you only know what you know when you know it right and that's what sister dimitri yeah. knew and that's what she knows and And so you operate from that place of forgiveness Mm -hmm. and you do not let those moments define your belief and your faith because that's the problem is I think we allow 
the humanness that yes. comes with. I was raised beautifully. My mom and dad raised me in the Catholic religion. Um, and, and I believe that it gave me the founding, the foundation mm -hmm. of something consistent. You know, every Sunday, you know exactly where you were going. You know exactly what was going to happen at church. You knew exactly what was going to happen at confirmation and baptism. Mm -hmm. And so it was a whole tradition of beliefs. Right. So no matter what religion you are, right. that's a very solid foundation to start on. Mm -hmm. But when you get to the part where you're questioning um, and or you the danger in that, which happened to me actually um, in college, mm -hmm. the danger in that is that you tend to put those people representing your religious life on a pedestal. Yes. And when you see them in their imperfectly human form, mm -hmm then it throws a disillusion into your whole religious belief right. system. Everything and that's what, Yes, and that's why it's important. That's why I didn't make this book about religion. I made no, it about spirituality. That's why, and, that, and that's why I love it, because you didn't dumb it down. You took it, you, you made it, you put it in a way that children could relate to it, would like it, mm -hmm. would understand it, mm -hmm. And would find comfort in, you know, you said something about when you're going, when you're in middle school or even just nowadays, a lot, I know a lot of kids that um, they're kind of isolated, you yeah. know, they, I think when you, when you give a young child any kind of information as a base to grow on and it's positive, it can only help them. Absolutely. Like it, it doesn't, you know, like you said, people have a, they, sometimes they have a reaction when you talk about God, but anything that is rooted in kindness mm -hmm. and is rooted in helping someone, it's a good thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, when did God become a bad thing? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? So if, so if I go, if I, you know, die, and my goodness, I'm so sorry, like Sister Therese, if you listen to this, I'm still really good friends with a lot of the sisters that I had in grammar school. That's how positive of an experience I had. You know what? You and I literally are yin and yang. <laughs> I know. Like, I know. I'm sitting here, and every time we talk about something, I'm like, she is literally like, or I don't know which is yin or yang, but wh whatever whatever the dark side is, is me. Whatever the light is you, because I'm like, damn, that could have been me. Oh, all right. I yeah, just no. took one of my sisters, <laughs> Sister Therese. I had her at uh, St. Francis of Assisi in Springfield, Pennsylvania, and I just took her out to lunch right before I left. We left on our trip to go to California. And so I was very lucky. I had a lot of positive role models, and that was due to my parents that mm -hmm. were sort of surrounding us with normalcy attached to religion. We got to see the nuns out of habit and in their, you know, plaid pants and striped shirts because they didn't get to choose their clothes. <laughs> but um, so I, I think, though, that what why this book came about is because I feel that it's important to at least start with the foundation of God. If you're a non-believer, right, let's look at it this way. I'm a believer. I have lived my life doing trying to live as as 
spreading as much kindness as I can, Mm -hmm. um, being as kind and forgiving and understanding about people that don't think the way that I am or haven't grown up the way that I am. My goal is to like, I want to dig and I want to figure out who you are because really if you peel away all of our flesh, Mm -hmm. we're all the same skeletal system underneath, right? right? We're all made the same. So it's just, if, if, if I meet someone who is in like just incredibly angry, I don't blame, I don't, put them into a box of being angry, I say, wow, what has the world thrown at them mm. that has made them this way? That's yeah. how I approach everything. So let's say I'm at my, I'm on my deathbed, you know, I pass away and I get up there and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. What have I lost by living a life of belief in a kindness and a true, and if I, and if I, which I firmly believe, I go to heaven and there's God looking at me saying, hey, I'll be like, He's here. No, she's here. <laughs> it's here. Yeah. Now like let's it, work it, it on Maureen. <laughs> so what have you lost by believing in something bigger than you? Nothing. So yeah. let's just start when they're young. So when they get to those impressionable years, which are starting younger and younger, by the way, mm. I can't tell you how many parents I spoke to when I was a mental health first aid trainer that would tell me that it's now happening to their, what used to happen to girls, the bullying, the whatever, and boys in seventh and eighth grade is now happening in third and fourth grade. If we can equip them, their brains are not fully developed. Mm -hmm. So it's our job to give them the words that they can use to protect their own value and purpose when somebody Mm -hmm. tries to steal it away from you. Yeah. So first of all, we have to provide them with the words Actually, second, we have to provide them with the words. First, we have to provide them with a knowledge that they are here for a purpose. They have value. And that person, God, is with you all of the time. And he's right. here on the ground. He's not somewhere unreachable and untouchable. Right. So that's how, that's why this book. So there's going to be, there's this is where was God at the beach. There's going to be where was God in the city that's already done. These are all already illustrated. Where was God in the mountains? Because mm-hmm. that's where I grew up going with my grandfather. So it's based on my experiences. Where was God with my friends? And where was God in school? So uh, something else we had touched on earlier um, before we came on was you do not believe that everything happens for a reason. You're one of the few people who have ever heard say that. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say everything doesn't happen for a reason. So give me your whole, you know, tell everybody your whole mindset when it comes to that. Because again, conversations made me look at me differently because the things that I've experienced in my life, um, made me feel like at some point I will understand why things happen to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess I kind of adopted the everything happens for a reason, but you put it differently and I thought, oh, you know what? That may actually be more of the way that I feel. So there are, I have a difficult time phrasing it that way. Mm-hmm. My belief is essentially still the same, that some that good can come from bad. But when you say that everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. there are horrific things that happen. There are young children that die of cancer every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, there are atrocities that happen throughout the world. There's genocide. There's, you know, the Holocaust. To say that everything happens for a reason almost makes 
gives validity to those horrible things. So I think, though, rather than stating it that way, like I said, my belief is still the same. I state it as everything that happens has a lesson in it. Yeah. So it makes it a little more um, digestible to to say. And I really do believe that there are times where, um, you know, you've forgotten your car keys and have to go back in and grab your car keys and you find out there was an accident seconds before you on the highway. Yes. Right. That was you listening to God saying, you got to get your car keys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there are times that we said this, the greatest gift and the greatest curse mm-hmm. is the gift of free will. Yeah. Because I do believe there are times in our lives where we can hear this little voice that mm-hmm. says, oh, don't do this, don't say this, yep. don't write this, don't do that. And our free will takes over and we do it. Right. Right. So then God is is going, you know, oh, all right. She didn't listen that time. All right. Let's throw She'll something learn. else in her <laughs> She'll learn eventually. So, um, so I really do believe that, um, that saying that everything happens for a reason um, God has a purpose and I truly believe that God has a purpose, but I also believe that, um, there are people that use their free will mm-hmm. to force their own agenda that right. it's not based on kindness. Mm-hmm. So, um, so them using their free will to do things not based on kindness is not happening for a reason. Right. It's happening for a reason. The reason is they're not listening to what God put them on earth to do to fulfill their purpose and and complete their value. Mm-hmm. They're doing with whatever they want to do. It's right. their ego and their free will. Right. So I do say that from everything, both fires that we had, really the lesson is we are such a deeply rooted and and connected family mm. and my husband and I went through uh you know a lot of challenges and when i was at my absolute worst he looked at me and said it's okay whatever you're going through i'll love enough for both of us right now wow and that i wow. will forever that changed again yeah. the trajectory of how i viewed myself and and brought back my value until I learned how to find my value. You don't find your value from within yourself. Mm-hmm. You find your value looking at the who planted you here? Mm-hmm. Who rooted you here? Why are you here? You find your value when your passion and your purpose come together. So now I'm finally not hiding from talking about God anymore. Right. You know, like we talked briefly, I as a little kid. I was weird. I was oddly someone who was obsessed with religion. I have to be really honest with you. When you told me about your obsession, I thought about moving a table away. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so when I was I little, did find it very interesting. I was like, wow, I would not have wanted that. But because me, I automatically go to pain. Gosh, that would have been so painful. But you, again, looking at completely differently, I yes. knew how you meant it. But I was like, hmm, so, never heard so, that either. So I shared earlier when we were chatting that um, when I was younger, I used to sit in the pew and when I was five years old and just pray for Padre Pio mm-hmm. is a saint that uh, received the stigmata, the holes in his mm-hmm. hands and his feet and his side like Jesus had. 
And uh, and I used to pray that I would get the stigmata. But I got to tell you, I don't know if it was as much religious as it was ego because I was a shy kid. Mm. So I was like, oh, if I get the stigmata, it was like a Christmas story where the where he writes the essay and he pictures the teacher going A plus 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 and the whole <laughs> class lifts him up on the shoulders. That was me. I was going to get the stigmata in church. I would sit and just pray. I would kneel and pray, 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 please. And I would look at my hands and I would have dreams that I would wake up and have the stigmata and everybody would hoist me on their shoulders and, oh, look at Debbie. Oh, my goodness. Everybody, like, she's so great. So it was a little bit more ego than it was religious beliefs. But what kid fantasizes getting the stigmata, right? So it was truly, I have felt from a very young age that I'm supposed to talk about God. And I have fought it for 60 years. And my impetus of trying to, of going for my master's degree Mm -hmm. and getting my master's degree caused me to have to write a lot of life experiences papers um, and learn about other cultures and write what I view um, is, is the, the, um, you know, not being treated fairly in other cultures. And that self-exploration is what led to, all right, you know what, if not now, when? Right. Why fight it anymore? And mm-hmm. if I get judged for being that girl, that that girl, I still call myself a girl. We are. We're if still I, girls. If I get judged for being that person that gets avoided at parties because, oh, she talks about God, right? I don't want her to see. Like, but you don't talk about God 24-7. No, and that's what I mean. Like, I'm but normal. We said people will run away from you if they think that part of part of what you do may talk about or part of what you integrate into a conversation could be religion-based. Yes. So people will be like, eh, you know what? She, she's going to find a way to turn it this way or she's going to find a way to make it about God. And it's like, it's not true, people. Just yeah. just open your minds. Have a little bit of a conversation. <laughs> so, so I finally, I am ready to take on being known as the person who talks about God and yeah. the person that will go anywhere to talk about God and 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 how because I wouldn't be here today mm-hmm. um, I would be a shell of who I am which is a which is such a waste of human value every single one of us you might not know I was 60 before I really found my so my true purpose is being a mom like my number one role that i have nailed is mm-hmm. being a mom and i know that and i feel that my kids are fabulous and my husband's a great father oh my god um, we really are yin and yang he's <laughs> My daughter is fabulous, but I always say it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> so, I that is the number one, but as i'm evolving and moving, you know, closer, it's i just felt with my husband retired, I just couldn't seem to relax into that retirement mm-hmm. with him. I just couldn't. I felt that there was something that I'm supposed to do right. before, you know, I leave this earth. Right. And and before we both sort of settle in and just focus on the rest of our lives together. And this is it. Mm-hmm. So wherever this book series takes me, my goal, I was asked by one of the fifth graders at St. Rose if I was ever going to write a chapter book. And my goal is really to just write a book called Where Was God and mm-hmm. gear it towards those teen years because that's when you lose your faith. Yeah. That's when your brain is just not equipped 
to handle some of the things that are being thrown at you and said about you and how you're being treated. What do you do? You internalize it and feel like it's all my fault. Exactly. And it's, it's just not. How someone treats you has more to do with them than it does to you. So I always say there's there's this person's box and there's your box. Mm -hmm. Don't take anything from their box and put it in yours. Your box is sacred. Yeah. Your box is your your box is a gift. Mm -hmm. And everybody, even the person that's treating you unfairly, has their own box that's a gift. They're just reacting yeah. to how they're being treated. And it creates this whole chain reaction that has led down to you. Yes. So if you're going to pray for anybody, pray for the person 50 years ago that treated that person wrong, treated that person wrong, that led to this person that's now treating you wrong. Well, I want to tell you, um, I admire the fact that you have found your purpose and you're not afraid to talk about it. I know what it's like to find a purpose and be afraid to talk about it because it's just not something that people necessarily want to hear or makes them uncomfortable or they think, oh, here she comes. She's going to talk about that again. So when you embrace that, there is a, a certain amount of freedom in embracing that. Mm -hmm. And I admire anybody who says this is something that's really important to me. This is something I'm very passionate about. As long as it's rooted in, rooted in kindness and helping people. Absolutely. If you're going to talk about something that's derogatory and and is based in bigotry or any or hatred, I, I don't admire you. So let's just get that right off the table. <laughs> but if you found a purpose where you feel like, I really feel like I can help people. I really feel like this could be something that they may need or a mindset that they may want to look at and consider, then... Um, I admire that about you. I really do. And I hope that this book takes, I hope the whole series takes off because there's nothing wrong. And like you said, whatever it is, whether it's your higher power, whether it's God, whether it's Buddha, whether, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that you call it, um, there's nothing wrong with having a base of spirituality mm -hmm. and feeling like there is something, there's something somewhere out there that's rooting for me. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you call it. So thank you. Thank you thank for writing you for the book. Thank you for having me on. Thank and, you for coming on. And uh, I, you have to come back on because we really have to talk about the 50s, 60s, going into 60s. Oh, and, I would love that. You know, that is, that is. That 60 is, is the new, I don't even know, 20. You know, it's just <laughs> new. <laughs> 60 is the new something to me. I'm it's, not there yet, but it's going to be new. But it's not 60 is scary. It's, you know, so I, I really feel, yeah, I want to say before 60s. we have to go, that, um, number one, thank you so, so, so much. You are just such a lovely person. Aw, thank you. And I really see your message as um, focusing a lot on resiliency and being resilient because you have shown how resiliency looks. You oh, epitomize goodness. it. And I think that when people struggle mentally, one of the biggest things is how do I get out of this? How mm -hmm. do I get out of this? So number one, go see somebody that's a professional because that's what they're there for. Yeah. You can talk to friends and everything, but until I went to counseling, mm -hmm. um, I, I just I never quite knew exactly what, like I would mention, oh, I felt this way and here I am covered in guilt and shame for feeling this way. And she'd be like, oh, that's bam, bam, bam. And yes. give me the scientific definition of it. 
I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm not alone in this. This did happen before. <laughs> Somebody else did feel this way. Yes. So resiliency, I feel, is something that if you could tap into that and bottle it up and sell it, that's your purpose. That's mm. your value. Yeah. Thank you. You go, girl. I love that. Thank you so much. And give us the name of the book one more time. Where Was God at the Beach? And by keep your eye out for all the other ones by Debbie, Debbie Marini. Marini. Oh, see? I well, I, I included my maiden name. Oh, see, that's you know. why I tell people say your name because I, I would have just, I just said Debbie Marini <laughs> and there's more to it. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right. You thank take care. You, you too. <laughs>